If you have a Bible, would you open up to John chapter 12? John chapter 12, we're going to read from verse 20 down to verse 33. Thank you so much for taking time to come and and join with us, whether you're in here or online. Thank you so much for for giving up some time and, and over this Maybe you're off for Easter, maybe you're not off yet, and you don't want to hear that people are off. But thank you for, for giving some time on this Sunday to come and be with us. I'm going to read from John chapter 12, verse 20. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. What powerful words from Jesus. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Listen to this, these next three verses, because these are important. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now it is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And when I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. Let's take a minute to pray. Father God, this Palm Sunday, we... We reflect and think about your, your words, God. We thank you for Pastor Pip and his word this morning and how we reflect on, on your triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And we re- read this scripture. We think, Father God, of, of you and the death that you predicted again in this scripture. And we think about it. And we take time to meditate and reflect it and let your Holy Spirit speak. So we pray, Father God, as we open your word right now, your spirit would speak to us. My words alone will not do anything, Father God, but your spirit is at work, will do it. So we invite you into this space. We, we soften our hearts, God, and, and want to hear what you are saying. In the midst of all the busyness and the, the voices and the things that we have to do this week, God, we stop to hear what you're trying to say to us in this space and in this time. So come and speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak for the next 25 or so minutes around this title of Lifting Heavy. And as I do, let me ask you a question. Is anyone in here still doing their New Year's resolutions? No. With a couple? With a couple? I, I'm still proudly doing mine. I, I set myself up with two New Year's resolutions. Some of you are like, what are they? Like, I forgot about those. I had two New Year's resolutions. The, one of them was I wanted to read more. So I set out the goal that I would read uh, 12 books this year, at least 12 books a year, which works out at one a month. So far, we're on track. Um, we're doing quite well. We're actually ahead of, uh, ahead of it, which is good. 
Um, and the other one that, that Kelsey and I decided to do was this year we decided to um, get back into training and, and eating well. So at the end of at the December, we had a bit of a busy December, and we said over um, the first week um, of January, we had a few days booked to go to London. So we went to London, and then we said, right, when we come back, that's it. We're going we're gonna to start eating well. We're going to start training a bit more. So we came back, and we started to do a, a thing, a program called P90X. I'd done it um, a couple of years ago. Horrible old thing. But it was a, it's a 90-day home workout you do in the house. And you buy, like, these DVDs, and you, you put, put them into your DVD player, and you um, prance about in the kitchen doing exercises and sweating and crying and praying and saying, Lord Jesus, take me. Um, but we did that, and it was split over three months. So the first month was genuinely awful. Because the first month, you're allowed like one carbohydrate portion a day. Like you're allowed other food, but one carbohydrate portion. So it was like a potato a day. And we were like, when should we have this potato? Like, let's treat ourselves. We, we like, Kelsey and I were like, do you know what? We'll have it for dinner tonight. And we were buzzing for dinner. Like, we could have a potato. Come on. So we went through the first two months. And then the last month, um, Kelsey was, a couple of weeks ago, was really sick. Um, was off a couple of weeks school. Um, she thought, you know, eight weeks at, at the summer isn't enough to take off, so I'm only joking. That was a joke. An unfair one. Apologies. She actually was sick. So she wasn't able to do some of the workouts near the end. And for me, I decided that I, I was getting bored of hearing the same DVDs time and time again. Uh, this guy, Tony Horton, was doing it. And I was like, no, Tony, I can't hear your voice one more time. You're cringing. You're cringy. So I decided I would go back to the gym. I had a, a gym membership. Do you know those gym memberships where you pay every month but don't go? But just, it makes you feel better that you're paying it each month. And you're like, listen, I will go. I will go. It's the incentive that I've got it there, so I will go. Well, I decided that I would go back to it. So I started going back to the gym. I started doing some weight training things. And then I had a conversation with Kelsey in the car the other day, the other week, I think it was. And I was like, Kelsey, how weird and strange is like going to the gym and lifting weights? Like it is so weird. When you break it down into its simplest form, it just is strange. Because we go along to the gym to lift heavy things and then put them back down until we can lift heavier things and put them back down. Like, in essence, that is all it is, isn't it? Like, and when we think of the years and years of advancement and research and development that have gone into it, yet the best thing that we can do is just lift heavy things and then set them back down until we can lift heavier things. And do you know what's amazing? There are businesses around the world that make millions of doing this. People give their lives to this. And I'm not saying that's bad. I just think it's fascinating. Like here we are in 2019, and some people just pick up heavy things and put it down to make money. Like, and I'm paying money per month to lift up heavy things and set it back down. Like it is ludicrous. It seems so strange when you think about it that way. As much as we advance in our training and exercise, still nothing can beat lifting. And we often just want a quick fix. When it comes to diet and exercise, we want a quick fix. We want the latest training diet or the latest diet, the, the latest fad. And yet, sometimes the answer often just lies in the lifting. And yet, this isn't just the only thing with weight loss. But in other areas of life, we're looking for success. We're looking for peace. We're looking for hope. We're looking for purpose. We're looking in life, all of these things. And what if the answer, similarly, just comes in the lifting? You see, in our passage tonight, in the passage that we have read, in verse 32, Jesus says that when he is lifted up from the earth, he will draw all people to 
himself. Jesus speaks about the significance of lifting. Now, I am well aware that Jesus is not talking about bench pressing here in, in this verse. But he is highlighting that there is something significant about lifting. Lifting is important. And in fact, over the next 25 minutes, I would love to, to make three observations from this one verse in John 12, 32, to see how important lifting is. And the first observation I want to make is that lifting is important. Simple as that. Lifting is important. In this verse, the lifted up signifies how Jesus will die. It's talking about how well he will be lifted up on a cross, and he will die on a cross. That is his, going to be how he will die. But this passage that we read is not the only time that Jesus quotes that he would be lifted up. In John chapter 8, verse 28, Jesus says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. In John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, Jesus again says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And then here in John 12, we read the third time Jesus talking about how he is to be lifted up. But if I could just go back to that, that passage in John 3, where Jesus talks about and references Moses lifting up the snake. He's, re he's referencing a story in the Old Testament, a story found in Numbers chapter 21. And I want to linger there for a couple of minutes, if you'll let me. Because in Numbers 21, it tells us of how um, Moses, who had led the Israelites, this nation that God had chosen, that he was going to bless and God was going to use as this line to bring the Messiah through, Moses had led this group out of captivity, out of slavery, and out of Egypt. And then, on the way to the promised land, they were disobedient. And then they go wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. And it's in this wilderness journey that we read in Numbers chapter 21 that the Israelites begin to grumble and complain to God. They, they start asking, why did you bring us out here to die? And they start to complain. And so what God does is he allows these snakes to come in to the Israelite camp. And these venomous snakes start to bite people. And these venomous snakes start to bite, and, and these people start, some of the Israelites start to die. And then in this confusion, in this chaos, they start crying out to God and to Moses, save us. Stop this from happening. And so God commands Moses to build a bronze serpent, and it was to be lifted up on a pole. And when the people looked at it, they lived. And so equally, Jesus is making a reference here in John 3 to talk about how when he will be lifted up on the cross, others will be able to look at him, others will be able to believe in him, and others will be able to find life in him. This passage in the Old Testament in Numbers 21 is almost a prophetic statement of how Jesus would be lifted up on the cross for all of us, and all will be able to look at him, and all would be able to find life in him. But just like the Israelites who were bitten, they knew that they were cursed. They knew that they needed help. They needed some sort of salvation from this bite. They knew that they needed help. Likewise, we need to know that we are cursed and that we are in need of a savior. You see, throughout the narrative of, of scripture and throughout the narrative of history, it tells of humanity's brokenness and humanity's need for a savior. And today, we still need that help. Friends, our sin separates us 
from God. The trajectory and the direction of every single human being in this room and online and around this globe is this. The direction of our lives is that we are going to death. Now, what is death? What do you mean by that, David? I want to, I don't have time to go into all of these verses that I'm about to read to you, but the Bible highlights six quick things that I want you to write down in this first observation of what death is. You see, death, Genesis 2, 15 to 17 tells us, is a curse. Death, Romans 6, 23 tells us, is a wage. 1 Corinthians 15, 26 tells us that death is an enemy. Fourthly, Luke chapter 16, 23 tells us that death is agony. Ephesians 2, 1 to 5 tells us that death is both physical and spiritual. And number six, Revelation 20, 11 to 15 tells us that death occur, occurs twice for unbelievers. So death is a curse, it is a wage, it is an enemy, it is agony, it is both physical and spiritual, and it occurs twice for unbelievers. This is significant to know because in John chapter 12, Jesus says, now is the time for judgment. Now, what is about to happen is the time for judgment on this world. See, every single human was going to be judged in, in this sense as to whether or not they were guilty of their sins against God or not. And the jury friends in this were unanimous. We were guilty against God. Every single one of us. None of us are exempt from that. However, Jesus says something different. Again, in the Gospel of John. Let me read you John chapter 5, verse 24. Now remember, we are all guilty to be judged. But in John 5, 24, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. He is saying, whoever hears my word, you sitting in this room or listening on the line or in the privileged position of getting to hear the word, hear the gospel, we get to hear that. And we stand in that place between hearing the word and believing the word. And Jesus says, if you hear and you believe that he, him who, and him who sent me, then you will have eternal life and you will not be judged. So Jesus is saying, death is a, a judge, occurs twice for unbelievers, but if you're a follower of Jesus in here, then you will die physically, but you will not die spiritually. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we were to trust in him, if we were to believe and put our hope and faith and trust in him, then we will be taken from death. That is incredible. So you have heard it here. We are guilty to be judged, but as Jesus is lifted up on the cross, if we believe in him, that we will not be judged and we will live. You see, the lifting up of Jesus is hugely significant because it not only brings victory to God and to all believers, but it also brought victory over death and the cross. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two says, for the joy set before him, he, that is Jesus, endured the cross, scorning its shame and, it's, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. As Jesus said, the lifting up of him on the cross signified the judgment of the world and also it, it showed the cast out and Satan being driven out. But the lifting up of Jesus 
means two things. It's talking about the crucifixion, but it also talks about his glorification. You see, the Greek word for lifted up is this word, hupso. I had to like, like Google um, speak that to me so I could say it right. It's spelled H-U-P-S-O-O, hupso. And it means to lift or raise up, to exalt or to uplift. You see, the word means exaltation too. Jesus was lifted up to the right hand of the Father. And you see, the lifting up of Jesus, both literally and figuratively, is crucial. Because Jesus must also be lifted up and exalted in our lives as followers of Jesus. If you're in here and you're a Christian, then this is bits for us. If you're in here online listening and you're not a follower of Jesus, well, this is important too. Because if you become a Christian, this is crucial. Because Jesus must be lifted up in our lives. Jesus said that when he was exalted and lifted up, he would draw all people to himself. But some people need to see Jesus to be drawn to him. Some people need to see it and hear it in your life. Now, here's the thing about lifting. It changes you. Before I went to Bible college, I was a personal trainer in Pure Gym. And so I was there for like three months. So, class. But what I'm about to tell you is like all of my, I'm giving you a free fitness tip in here for all you in here online. Because here's the thing about training. If you're in here and, and you'd go for a 30-minute run, let's say you jump on the treadmill for 30 minutes, and you do cardio for 30 minutes, you will burn calories for 30 minutes. And then when you step off, done. But if you were to lift weights or go to circuit training or do some weight training, and you were to do that for 30 minutes, then you will burn calories for 30 minutes plus up to 72 hours after. There's a free one for you all. So you, in essence, lifting is more beneficial for you. Lifting is better for you. Now, what is the point I'm making here? My point is, very often as followers of Jesus, we try to improve our Christian lives by doing so many other things. By following Bible plans, by worshiping more, by listening to podcasts, reading books, going to meetings, going to more meetings, going to more meetings, doing more things. Now, please don't call me out yet, yet, because I agree that every single one of those things I named is crucially important and is so helpful. But what I'm trying to say is sometimes we spend all our time doing one thing and we could do something else that's just more important and is better for us. And this is the same when it comes to evangelizing, when it comes to sharing our faith. We can strive after evangelistic methods, questionnaires, surveys, courses, which are all good and are all significantly beneficial. But sometimes the greatest thing that we can do is lift Jesus up in our lives. When you lift Jesus higher in your life, he is a priority in your life, then other people will notice. Here's the thing, when you begin lifting, you don't need to tell anyone. They notice. When we begin to lift Jesus up in our own lives, other people around us will notice. You don't have to tell them. They can see by your appearance and they can see by how you carry yourself. So the question to us as followers of Jesus is this, where is Jesus in your life? In the priority of your life, 
Where is Jesus? Are you a fan of Jesus? Or are you a follower of Jesus? Because there is a distinct difference. You see, let's say this stage that I'm standing on right now was to represent your life. And this whole building that we're in was to represent the world around us and the people in it. And let's say for this analogy, I was to represent Jesus in our lives. Sometimes we're happy to sit here, to let Jesus be down here. And some of you right now can only hear my voice but can't see me. I'm trying to stay away from them live stream cameras. They'll get you. But sometimes this is the thing where we like Jesus to be on the stage and in our lives, but just not in all the areas. Not that everyone can see. Whereas the priority is, guys, the more we put Jesus in the center stage of our lives, the more we put it up and prioritize him and lift him higher in our lives, then the more people can see and the more people will be drawn to Jesus. So we need to lift Jesus up in our lives. Is Jesus a priority or are you your priority? Is Jesus a priority or are your friends and your family a priority? Is Jesus a priority or is culture and the media and what people say a priority? Because if you can lift Jesus higher, this passage, which we'll look at in a, in a minute, says that he will draw all people to himself. We just need to lift him higher. As we lift Jesus higher in our lives, other people will notice the difference. Other people will notice how we spend our money, how we spend our time. They will notice what we value. They will notice what we prioritize. They will notice how we serve. They will notice how we speak to one another and how we act. When we lift Jesus higher, they will notice our attitude to life. They will notice our response to trials. But we need to lift Jesus higher in our priorities. The second observation I want to make about this is that what you lift matters. You see, Jesus doesn't, in verse 12, just make the point that lifting and exalting matters, but lifting the right thing matters. You see, you could run into, a because uh, we're sticking with the gym analogy, you could run into a gym and lift the lightest weights that do absolutely nothing for you and start lifting them. But it doesn't really benefit you. You see, we need to lift the right thing. And Jesus makes a statement that when he is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. The point I want to make is that people will be drawn to Jesus when Jesus is lifted up. You see, we can often get caught up in lifting up the wrong things. We can lift up to Donald Elam and be like, isn't Donald Elam fantastic? We can, we can lift up Elam Church and be like, isn't Elam fantastic? We could lift up Pip and Tyler and Malcolm and be like, aren't they fantastic? Please don't hear me incorrectly. I'm so glad of Donald Elam and I'm so glad of the Elam Church. It's all I've grown up in and I'm so glad of these men who serve us. But Jesus says, when you lift me up, I will draw all people to myself. It is lifting up the right thing. These things that we lift up are helpful. But the things that are helpful to preach Jesus with have become what we replace Jesus with. And it's when we get to seasons like Palm Sunday where we remember Jesus and the cross, we reflect on how the early church simply preached Jesus. In Acts 2, 22 to 24, Peter preaches one of the first sermons the early church has ever recorded. And he says this, fellow Israelites, listen to this. 
Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of, of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. They simply preached Jesus. They didn't have a response song. They didn't have someone to play a sustained chord on a pedal. They didn't have an alpha course. They didn't have lights and sound. These things are all important, but they simply had the gospel, the Holy Spirit, and we see 3,000 people saved that day because they lifted up Jesus. Paul also saw the significance of simply lifting up and preaching Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 5. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you, to you the testimony about God. Listen to this. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is all that they did, was to preach Jesus and preach him crucified. Paul didn't see the importance of anything else but preaching Jesus. Because when we lift up Jesus on the cross, it is powerful. And so this is a challenge to us. This is a challenge to the church. Who are we lifting up and why? The answer to reaching the masses with the gospel is not sinners' prayers or techniques, creative preaching, lofty words, lights and sound, the latest technology being relevant. All of these are important aspects of preaching and church. However, they aren't what will save people. It's the lifting up of Jesus that will save people. Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is what will save people. This is what will save the world. This is what will change the world. Lifting up the name of Jesus. You see, Paul recognized that when we preach with human wisdom, it would lead to human attachment. But when we preach with Jesus, it leads to people being attached to Jesus. And friends, there is no greater thing than people being attached to Jesus over human wisdom. That's what 1 Corinthians 2 is saying. You see, we can often feel the pressure to see people saved. That is our responsibility to save people. And so we, we try to use gimmicks and creative elements to coach people in. However, I just feel there is something supernatural and powerful when we just simply preach Jesus. I can't figure it out. I don't know why. But I believe it's Jesus saying, when you lift me up, something happens and I will draw people to myself. So don't even worry about all those other things. Just preach me. And listen, sometimes that needs creativity. But it always needs Jesus. It doesn't always need creativity, but it always needs Jesus and this is where we come to our last observation. That when you lift, others notice. In verse 32, Jesus says, I will draw all people to myself. Jesus makes this point ex explicitly and says how it will be him who draws all people to himself. The pressure to force people to make a decision to become a Christian is off us. Jesus takes the sole responsibility for saving people. And here's the good thing. He's really, really good at it. He's really, really good at saving people. He, in fact, he's the best at it. 
And that pressure is off us. The older I get, the more I realize that my responsibility in life is simply to be an arrow, where I just point people back to Jesus. And I have tried in my life to be Jesus in situations. And, and sometimes that's okay. We need to be like Jesus, but we don't need to be Jesus. We just need to be an arrow that just points him back. I don't have the answers, but he does. I don't have the hope, but he does. I don't have all this, he does. He's doing it in me. And so we are, our, our lives are just supposed to be arrows, which we just point back to Jesus by lifting him high. You see, sometimes it's really easy to point, it's, it's really easy to point by lifting. You see, for some of you in here, you might know who my wife is. So I could point to where she is, but then I could say, Kelsey, stand up. Stand up on the stage. <laughs> see, now it's really easy to know who my wife is because she's lifted up and I'm not just pointing. Thank you. And sometimes the best way to point to Jesus is by lifting him up in our lives because it's easier for other people to notice and it's easy for people to see the significance. You see, earlier on I mentioned how when we lift at the gym, people notice. And similarly, when we lift Jesus higher in our lives, people notice. Now, what I've learned, I've noticed a valuable lesson to learn. Sometimes in life, people don't want you. They want what you've got. I learned this when I was a personal trainer, that I would have went around trying to get some clients and they wanted me to give them how to do this, how to do that move, how to use this machine, how to use that, but they didn't want to pay me. I was like, well, this is unfair. You boys trying to make a living. But they, they didn't want me. They just wanted what I had. And now in other areas of life, that's really unfair and really hurtful. But seeing this, it's awesome. See if people look at your lives and see Jesus and not want you, but want the Jesus and want more of that, then that is great and that is good because they are striving after they see something in your life and think, I want that. How did you get that? And when we're an hour, we just say, him, it was Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Maybe they'll notice in your life the benefits that Jesus brings. Maybe they see the physical, mental, or emotional benefits Maybe they see how you have hope for eternity. Maybe they see the joy that you have in the present circumstances and they will want it themselves. Maybe you're in here or online and you're listening because you saw it in someone else. You saw how they lifted Jesus and you thought, I want that for myself. Well, here's the greatest news. You can have it. You can have this. To everyone and anyone listening in here or online, you can have this hope. Because Jesus in his word promises that he will draw all people to himself. Now in, the, in the, the context of the time, he is making a political statement. He is making a statement to say, when I say all people, I mean Jews and Gentiles. I mean everyone. No one is limited by this salvation. It is open to everyone. Whether you're male, female, black, white, Protestant, Catholic, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, feel worthy, feel unworthy. This is open to all of us because Jesus will draw all people to himself because there is something incredible about the name of Jesus and the person of Jesus that people are just attracted to. And when we lift him up in our lives, people will be attracted to that and he will draw all people to himself. I'm going to ask the band to come and join me. See, when Jesus is lifted up and 
Every one of us in this room and online, when he has lifted up, we see and notice the benefits of it. Both you, when Jesus is lifted up in your life, you feel the benefit of it, and others around you feel the benefit of it. It is this Moses and the snake story all over again. And so in here online, we have two responses to this. If you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, then right now you get in that privileged position where you're hearing the true gospel and you can believe it. You need to acknowledge your need for it. And you can make a decision to say, I need this. I see the direction and the trajectory of my life is going to death. And I see Jesus is offering a way out. And so you can accept and believe that. Or if you're in here and you've already made that decision, then your response is a response of being overwhelmingly thankful. And so I'm going to pray in just a moment. And then the only way we're going to respond is the best way that we can. And we're going to stand and we're going to lift Jesus high in this place. We're going to worship him with praise, with adoration, with thankfulness. Because here it is, friends. You and I did nothing to deserve the grace and the love and our eternal life that he has given us. Nothing. All we did was believed. And we have given our lives to it. And so at Easter, we remember Jesus being lifted up. Lifted up on the cross. Lifted up from the grave. Lifted up and ascended to the right hand of the Father. And there he is alive today. And we stand here and we wait in this moment, waiting for him to return. But we wait with thankful hearts. We wait with thanksgiving. And we will spend the rest of our lives until Jesus calls us home or comes back, lifting him higher in, in our lives so that other people might have the privilege of getting to know this life and this Savior that we have. So would you close your eyes with me as we pray? If you're in here online and you've, if you're online, sorry, and you're, you're, you're watching this and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, then I'd love you to email us. Drop us an email on our, either on our website or on the Facebook link that you're watching right now. Let us connect with you and, and see how we can best serve you in your, in your starting in your relationship with Jesus. If you're in here, I'm just going to simply ask you not to do anything right now, but afterwards, I'll stand on the door, come and grab a chat with me, or, or even on the welcome desk as you go out into the foyer, there will be brown envelopes. Why don't you take one of them? There's some resources and some things inside it for you to, to help start you on this journey. But I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand, and I'm going to get off this stage, and we're going to just worship Jesus and put him back on the pedestal and the throne that he deserves in our lives. So, Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father God, when we think about this week coming up to Easter and, and even when we read those scriptures of you predicting your death, there is a, a sign of worry and fear. But we thank you, Father God, that you knew the plan that you had, that you were going to lift Jesus up on a cross, that all who looked upon that cross would find salvation. We thank you, Father, today, God, in 2019, we still celebrate the cross. The cross still has power. The cross is still changing lives today. We thank you for in this room, people who have been changed by the power of the cross. And we thank you, Father God, that you have taken us from death and placed us into life. Thank you, God, for your goodness, for your grace, for your love, for your mercy that is new every morning. 
for your grace so undeserved and unconditional, yet you lavish it upon us. See what great love the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called children of God. Wow. I thank you, Jesus, and when we preach you, and preach you crucified and resurrected, that something changes in our atmosphere. And God, I pray as we come to lift you up, lift you higher in this room, lift you higher in our lives, Father God, you would take your throne in our lives and you would be our Lord and Savior. We pray others will notice and you will draw others to yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.